0: Hello and welcome to the second installment of Mind and Morals with me, your host, Jonah. On today's show, we'll discuss a couple of topics surrounding morals, with a friendly discussion in between. Thoughts, weighing options, thinking critically, all important aspects of human morals. From well-known thought experience like the trolley problem to theories surrounding the most ethical ways to act, the field of morals is broad and deep. Now, let's dive in. Do, 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 Today's first topic will be thought experiments. I'm going to go through a list of thought experiments with you and explain them. And in the discussion, I will explain them to my friend and have them react to them and see what they would do before explaining the, the reaction to the thought experiment. Okay. So first is going to be the trolley problem, the classic thought experiment that everyone knows. Um, A trolley is going over a track, it is on track to hit five people, but there's a catch. There is one person on a separate track, and you can send that train on that track, divert it. Instead of having it kill those five people, it will now only kill one person. You see the moral dilemma, you can actively stand by and let five people die. Or you can actively do something, so maybe you feel like you're at fault for doing it, and kill one person. See, five people might absolve you of guilt, and uh, one person might make you feel guilty. Uh, But you can see it from the other side of things as well. So then there's one called Thompson's Violinist. So you wake up in a hospital room with a man connected to you through IV. You see people standing around you, and they tell you this. They tell you that they are a group of the world's most famous musicians. And next to you is the world's best violin player. They say that his kidneys are failing. And in order for them to have enough time to find a treatment for him, they need you to have him connected to you for nine months. Okay? So, you can either choose. There's two options. You can let the man die because you are the only person they could find with the correct blood type and a bunch of other things. So you're the only person in existence who could do this. Or you could stay there for nine months and let him uh, have your kidneys filter his blood form. The next one is honestly a very easy one, um, but it goes deeper once you have a further explanation to it. So the thought is, if you wouldn't, if you would ruin your $500 pair of shoes to help save a child who's drowning in a river, why wouldn't you donate $500 to a charity for the same kind of thing to help children in need that could also be dying? Um, so it's kind of a kind of a thought experiment, but not necessarily. It's more of like a, a moral look into charity. So the last one's going to be The Spider in the Urinal or Plato's Cave. So the source I found this from, this uh, this one, I, I've known about Plato's Cave before, but the spider in the urinal just seemed pretty interesting to me. The story was that a uh, the man, he saw this spider living in a urinal, he'd go and see it every day, and, try and he'd see it try and climb out of the urinal sometimes, but the porcelain was too slippery. So um, he would every day go in, go out, do his business, wash his hands, go back to work. But one day he decided, you know what? I'm going to help this little spider. I'm going to get it out of the toilet bowl. And by doing that, he used a toilet paper roll. It grabbed onto the toilet paper roll. He put it on the floor. It didn't seem hurt. just kind of stood there. So he, it doesn't move. He goes back to work. Comes in there later and sees it rolled up on its back with its legs in the air. It's dead. Didn't move from that spot. Now this relates to Plato's Cave, which is an ancient thought experiment. It's from like the Greek ancient Greeks. So, Plato's Cave. Three men are locked in a cave for all their life. They're bound to the wall of the cave, and they can't look behind them. Their heads are held in place. So they only live life through the experiment, experience of seeing shadows. They don't know color, they don't know anything but the shadows that they see in front of them. Now the ethical decision is, if you had the opportunity to, knowing that it could drive them insane, and they could never recover, would you let them out of that cave? that is the the thought experiment right there so let's move on to the discussion hello and welcome to today's uh conversational segment i'm here with buddy buddy go ahead and introduce yourself
1: hi i'm i'm buddy or well my real name's adam i go by buddy uh i it's what i don't know what i'm supposed to say about myself to be honest that's uh, good enough. Uh, today we'll be talking
0: about some thought experiments, and we'll have uh, our, our subject here answer a few of them, and then I will explain his uh, his answers in the context of schools of thought in morals and ethics. So today's first thought experiment is going to be probably the most popular, the trolley problem. So you know the drill. Five people are on a track, a trolley is coming to hit them. There is a lever you can pull to divert that track to a different, divert the trolley to a different track, but there is one person on that track.
1: What do you do? I mean, I would personally. Uh, if you pull it, you're saving more people, but you're killing someone off who's not about, who's. Didn't accidentally put themselves in the way of getting hit by a train. There's no background to this. It's just split second moral decision. Yeah, so I guess I'd have to,
0: I'd have to kill the one guy. Okay, so you kill the one guy. Keep track of your answer. I'll explain things later on. Okay, this one is called Thompson's violinist. It's a very, this one's one of the more weird ones. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that warning beforehand. So, you wake up in a hospital bed. You are attached to a man next to you. As you wake up, you see people around you. They let you know that they are a musician skilled and that next to you is the most talented violinist in the world. Um his kidneys are failing. But they have found that you have a match in the kidneys and keeping you connected to him like your circulatory system connected to him for nine months will ultimately cure his condition um it's ultimately up to you they give you the choice to either unplug the dying man from yourself or to sit there for nine months and uh and
1: be a human dialysis machine what do you do i mean i i would sit there for nine months um Hopefully there would be some sort of accommodation, so I'm not bored for the whole nine months. But it's the right thing to do, no matter what. So, okay.
0: So uh, the next one is called "The Life You Can Save." This one, honestly, this one's probably the easiest one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you you're running through the forest. You have your your perfect new five hundred dollar Yeezys on. Okay. Um, you got them red Yeezys. They they be you have that drip. Okay. Dripping. You As I do. There. Yeah, obviously. The grippiest man in the West <laughs> over here. Um, so you, you jo- you're jogging through the forest, okay, with your new Yeezys on for some reason. And you come across a lake, and you hear, like, childlike screaming coming from the lake. And you see a boy is currently drowning in the lake. Now, you don't have any time to take your shoes off, because they're about to drown. No, do you go God. and save the child?
1: Ruin your shoes. (laughs) Obviously, a child's life is not worth $500. Yeast. No, I'm kidding. I'll save the kid. Okay. Of course. Now, this is the part
0: of why this is like a trick question, because you'd give your $500 shoes up to save a child, Mm -hmm. but would you donate $500 to
1: help a child dying in a third world country? Uh, if I know the, uh... I, I mean, just just
0: it, out of the goodness of your heart, not prompted.
1: Just go well, out of your like, way and donate. Knowing that it's a... I, I'd have to find a trustworthy organization, but well, yeah. Just,
0: uh, everything falls into place, and it's the trustworthy organization. It directly stops them from dying.
1: Yeah. If okay. I knew it was going to okay. directly stop them from dying, yeah. Okay. Now, um... <laughs> this one
0: has... The next one has two names. Um... The second one is a lot funnier than the first one. It's either a Plato's Cave, which you might have heard of, or The Spider in the Urinal. Um, one of the two. So, I'll start with the allegory of... Uh, which one do you actually want to hear? Because they're basically the same thing. Spider in the Urinal? Of course you do. <laughs> okay. So, there. It, it makes a lot more sense if it's humans, and I could do the cave allegory afterwards. But... So, there's a spider in a urinal. It spends its entire life in the urinal, but it you see it try to get out sometimes, but the porcelain is too smooth, it can't grab onto it, so it just falls back into the bowl. Um, you know that by taking it out
1: of the bowl, it might not survive, but you could also leave it in the bowl. Yeah. What do you do? So if you take it out of the bowl, it might not survive, but yeah. I mean, I would take it out of the bowl because if, if you don't take it out of the bowl, then it's going to spend its whole life in a urinal, which okay. isn't a life worth living. Here is Plato's cave. This
0: one might be a little bit better for you okay. to comprehend because it's not an a insect in a public bathroom.
1: Yeah. That's um,
0: so Plato's cave, there are three men who are in a cave. They've been locked in this cave their entire life um they've been bound by chains and there is no light in this cave other than a single source which is cast outside of the cave and projected into the cave now these men have spent their entire lives only seeing the shadows of what's going on outside the cave and inside the cave so they have no concept of a three-dimensional world they have no concept of color they only see shadows they see in black and white they see silhouettes now would you take a man out of this cave if he looked, would you forcefully take him out of the cave is what I'm going to say. If he turned around, looked outside and saw the world and basically went insane because he couldn't comprehend what he saw. So would you leave him to live his life of little comprehension in a cave or drag him out of the real world and have him suffer for a while, maybe never recover,
1: but? Not live in the cave. It is hard. Um, yeah, it's a lot harder than the fucking spider in the year. Ur- God damn it, I swore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot harder than the spider yeah. in the urinal. Um. Does it? Do you know if it looks like the man wants to leave the cave or? Oh no, he's he's terrified of leaving the cave. Then no. Okay. So. Let's go
0: back to your first one, the trolley problem. Now, you chose, um, there's three main schools of ethics. There is consequentialism, mm-hmm. there is deontology, and there are virtue ethics. I will explain all of these in the next section. I will just kind of tell you what they are now. So, the conse- you, you basically, for the first one, went with consequential, uh, consequentialism. You picked the good of the many over the good of the few. Um, Mm -hmm. You looked for the most good. In the Thompson's Violinist, um, the argument against sharing your body is that while you have an obligation to help the man, the man has no right to your body because you are another living being. Um, This argument has been used for pro-abortion kind of things. Um, I I actually find it pretty convincing, even though I already was pro beforehand, which is why I put it in here. Um, I just thought it was an interesting experiment.
1: I mean, I understand... I understand the point of not saving the guy, but I feel like also that's a lot different than pro-abortion. Um, I mean,
0: you're t- tied to a guy for nine months, you know. That is true. Yeah, it it it, it, it was pretty heavy-handed with the nine months thing. Um, yeah. where I originally saw this thought experiment, but you know, um, the life you can save, uh, honestly, I think like ch- saving the child is good in every context. So. The The second part of it was, like, if you would do the same thing for a child in front of you, you should, if you're a morally good person, do the same thing for a child that you can't see. Um. It's, yeah, that. Then uh, the spider in the urinal slash Plato's cave. That one, honestly, is more of a gray area. It's kind of like virtue ethics. Um, You give them a chance at a better life. But... You do it forcefully against their will, so I guess you're both doing a good deed. So I guess uh, here's what I'll say: Um, deontology is you had the right intentions. You based on um, the rules of the universe, based on like you shouldn't kill another person, you shouldn't lie, that kind of thing. You're or not lie, but you shouldn't do certain things that just a normal human wouldn't do. Now these you had good intentions by taking the person out of the cave. So, ultimately you say I'm morally exempt from any consequences because I wanted to introduce them to a better world. Now, the consequentialist would look at it and say there's no bad impact that they aren't already experiencing in the cave. So, I'm going to leave them in the cave because then they don't have the possibility of going insane. So, you see like the the basic explanation of these Principles of schools of ethics applied to these topics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah. Um, do you find anything interesting about what we've discussed today? Um, it does. I mean, I guess it does seem that I stayed on the same uh, mindset for all of it, like with the constant consequential... consequentialism. Yeah, Is that's
0: that um, another way to phrase that would be utilitarianism. Um, which mm-hmm. is a subsection of consequentialism. Um, they're all pretty interesting. I mean, if you wanted to look into it more later, it's it's pretty readily available, like a quick Google
1: search away. Um, any questions you have before we uh, end today's segment? Um, not in particular. <laughs> no, I mean, if you if you don't have any questions, yeah. you don't have any questions. Yeah.
0: Would you like to plug your Twitch? <laughs> twitch.tv tv/winky frowny go, go over there for moderate gaming content you know it's not too good it's not too bad it's just right
1: um <laughs> this is 100% accurate
0: <laughs> well thanks for coming on the show we appreciated having you um, that'll be it for today <laughs> Welcome to the second segment of today's show. Um, this is topic two. This is talking about the schools of ethics that I had mentioned in the discussion prior to this. So first, let's go on to consequentialism. It consists of different varieties of utilitarianism and other schools like hedonism. The main idea is that morality is not based on a rule book. It's not, it's, it's not based on doing the right thing or human goals, but only consequences that arrive from that behavior. See as their consequentialism. See, the basic good is pleasure or happiness. So most pleasure, most happiness equals the most good. And that's the action that causes the most pleasure, or the most happiness for people around, would ultimately be the best course of action. Um, The utilitarian, for example, seeks the greatest good for the greatest number of people. That's that school of thought. See, you would divert the trolley if you were a consequentialist in the first uh, thought experiment, because you are saving the most lives. You are saving a net four lives. The greatest good for the greatest number of people. Save, you would obviously save the child, but you wouldn't save the spider, because you know that the consequences of that could be dire. So, leaving it in the urinal might be the best option. Now, deontology consists of different varieties of uh, a mor- morality by rules. The main idea is that morality is based upon rules. Um, it's kind of the opposite of good in, uh, of consequentialism. It's doing the right thing for the right reason. So it's based on rules, good intention, and human goals. The consequences do not matter as long as you were, your heart was in the right place. Now the greatest good is obedience to the rules of nature or divine rules, which is why um, religions tend to be deontologists. Whether or not that brings pleasure or pain, you don't care about the consequences. It's merely doing the right thing with the right intentions at the right time. Now, you wouldn't divert the trolley because you'd actively be killing someone. See, you don't, if you let it happen, you have no part in it. Therefore, you have no responsibility, you have no moral obligation to do it. That's what a deontologist would think. Because in diverting that track, you'd kill a person. Obviously, you'd save the child. That's, but in this one, you'd ha- if your heart was in the right place, you'd go and save the children across the world as well. You see, these it doesn't that doesn't really fit into here. But then again, you would save the spider because it would be the right thing to do. Your heart was in the right place, even if that spider dies. You did the right thing ethically. Now the last school that is most commonly measured is virtue ethics. It's a pretty new variety of ethics, like much newer than consequentialism and deontology, obviously. The main idea is that character is the measure of morality. And this is intuitive in each and every person in the world, including uh, young adults and even children. The immorality of punishing someone who is innocent and lying and breaking promises, is intuitive for all people from all time. See, morality and virtue ethics is based off of this principle. You see, it doesn't tie neatly into any of the thought experiments because they don't really have to do with the school teachings of virtue ethics. It's a it's, a much, it's a lot stranger of a school of ethics than deontology or consequentialism are because there's a lot of different things. Like, it's basically... Uh, it's intuitive to every person. It's, is this the right thing for me to do? So each and every person should have their own kind of virtue ethic. They have their own way of defining virtue ethics. It's a lot more complex. Thank you for listening to episode two of Mind and Morals with me, your host, Jonah. I'd appreciate feedback if you have any. Feel free to leave any on the bottom of the page. Uh, if you'd like to shoot me an email, I will also have it on the page. Again, thank you for listening, and see you next time.